Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bueller, and I'm here with my co-host and twin sister, Brittany. Hey guys! Today we talk about the impact that the coronavirus has had on collegiate gymnastics, particularly on the men's side, and we discuss some ways that universities can better budget themselves to keep college gymnastics alive. We also share our thoughts on the possibility of the 2021 Olympics happening despite COVID still being an issue. According to the Vice President of the IOC, the games are going to take place regardless of COVID, and we definitely have some thoughts on this, so stay tuned. Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to real quickly thank our gold-level Patreon supporters, Cindy M, Bree C, Blake B, Elaine E, Dominique D, Rydog, Faith M, Caitlin P, and Kristen R. Thank you guys so much for your support. We've gotten a lot of support within the last few weeks. It's actually kind of crazy. So we are so grateful to all of you and to really all of our Patreons. We have three levels ranging from a dollar a month to five dollars a month. So if you want to know more about that, you can check out our Patreon in the show notes down below and that will tell you more about what you get at each level and also what we hope to use the money for in the future. So thank you again to all our supporters. We appreciate you guys so much and we love you. So the plan for this week's podcast changed a little bit last minute. Originally, we were planning to have Shailise Jones on the show, and then last minute she had something come up and wasn't able to do it. So we're hoping that we're still able to have that come out soon. Uh, We had to reschedule with Shailise, so we're not exactly sure when that's going to happen yet. Yeah, this will be the third time that we've rescheduled. The first time it was because we had something come up with work. The second time it was because she had something come up. So we'll see. Maybe the third time's the charm. (laughs) It ended up being okay because there's some news that we want to talk about and some big things happening in the college gymnastics world, which I feel like needs a lot of our attention right now. So we really, really want to focus on college gymnastics and how COVID is affecting, you know, college gymnastics in the future. Things are not looking so good for men's gymnastics in particular right now. No. It was recently announced that they're cutting gymnastics on the men's side at the University of Minnesota after the end of the 2021 season. So that will put the number down to 10 programs for Division One for men's gymnastics. That's so crazy. 10 programs. Yep. It has declined so much in the last few years. It's so crazy. Well, and especially now since COVID, it seems like it's happening even faster. Yeah. So it's we- like every week there's another team that's being cut. Yep. So I think we're up to six now. We, we did the, the tally before we started recording and we, we counted six programs that have been cut or are going to be cut because of the university's budget issues after COVID. Between men's and women's gymnastics. Yep. So the good news with, well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily good news, but the decision as far as the University of Minnesota goes, it still has to be approved by the Board of Regents. So there is still time to fight for the program there. We recommend that everyone reach out to the Board of Regents and let them know why you think gymnastics should not be cut for the men at that school. We're actually going to put a link in the show notes below if you guys want to click on that. It takes you directly to the contact form for the Board of Regents at Minnesota and just let them know why you think you know gymnastics is important, especially on the men's side because I feel like gymnastics is a very popular sport and it's been growing a lot collegiately, more so on the women's side, but... 
Managing gymnastics is so incredible too, and I feel like honestly sometimes I, I low key think it's more exciting to watch than women's gymnastics. Yeah, it really is exciting, and I wish more people would give it a chance because it really is thrilling to watch, and I just feel like it doesn't get a lot of recognition and doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And it's really sad to see it happen now with two programs in the Big Ten because first it was Iowa on the men's side we're talking, and then now Minnesota. So, and even as far as like scholarship opportunities for men, like to only have ten Division One teams, that's really gonna limit who even can go and do college gymnastics. You know, with women's gymnastics, there's so many different options, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think that just really hurts. The future their, of the sport. Their ability to get a college scholarship and get their school paid for, like, the opportunities that women have. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, three, four years down the line, are we even going to have collegiate men's gymnastics anymore? Yeah, I don't because know. Because to, to be down, you know, already to ten programs... It's, like, almost non-existent, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, and it... I'm just concerned with, you know, the pandemic still going on and how this is going to affect things. I feel like this isn't over yet. And, you know, we might make it through one more season and then there'll be more cuts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're seeing cuts on the women's side, too, which is scary because the sport is even more popular on the women's side. Right. And especially college gymnastics. I mean, it's popular in the elite world because of the Olympics and, you know, all that. But... Even collegiately, it's grown so much in the last couple of years. So to see, you know, universities losing interest in funding their, you know, gymnastics programs and to see that not, it's not getting the support that it needs to thrive and to actually, you know, sustain itself. Right. Yeah, unfortunately, gymnastics doesn't get as much attention at a lot of colleges, whereas like football and basketball, they might get more attention from fans, more funding from the schools. Oh, yeah. The, the schools are more willing to invest in those programs yeah. because, let's be real, majority of the money that universities make, a lot of it comes from football and basketball. Yeah. That is a lot of the money that universities get. Not, and then plus, of course, you have like tuition and stuff like that, but we're talking like millions and millions and millions of dollars that are brought in by those sports teams. So I have a whole spiel that I'm going to go into in a couple minutes here about how I think universities could budget themselves a little bit differently to be able to have all different sports programs and have not still ha- exist. Yeah, not have so much money being drained into one sport. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a minute. I also wanted to touch on Alaska. So we've heard that they're also cutting their gymnastics program at the end of the season next year and it was approved by the board of regents effective june 30th 2021 so here's the deal the board of regents said they will consider reinstating the gymnastics program if they're able to raise nearly nine hundred thousand dollars so the exact amount was like eight hundred and eighty eight thousand but that's basically ninety thousand nine hundred thousand excuse me which is almost a million which is a lot and they have until february to raise that money so that's a lot of money to raise in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. the other catch is unless i'm not understanding it correctly but I, i checked a couple sources and i'm under the impression that all the money has to come, it's private funding, so all the money has to come from, like, businesses or organizations, um, foundations, stuff like that, and I actually saw that the Alaska Gymnastics Twitter, they posted a tweet, they said, stay tuned, there's too many questions unanswered to start a campaign just yet, but get ready for our fight. So I don't even think they're 100% clear on 
the rules for raising money. I don't know if this is something they could just make like a GoFundMe for. That's like, what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there would be a lot of gymnastics fans that would be willing to help chip in money. Although I don't know if we'd be able to raise almost, you know, $900,000. Like, that's a lot. We would need someone with, like, a lot of money, like a celebrity, to get mm-hmm. on board and, like, chip in for something like I'm that. I'm like, who's rich and wants to help out right now? Right. <laughs> like, Jeffree Star, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> like, hello, we need you. Are there any celebrities that we know are really into gymnastics? Um, I think Britney Spears was a gymnast at one point, and she's posted videos of her doing, like, flips and stuff before. Really? So Yeah, but I don't know. Um, I know Michael Buckley, he was a YouTuber. I don't think he does YouTube anymore. But he's not, like, we're talking, we need someone that's, like, Kardashian-level rich. Yeah, I don't know of anybody at that level <laughs> who's, like, expressed interest in gymnastics. If you guys know of any, like, super rich celebrities that like gymnastics. Or just rich people in general. <laughs> they don't even have to be celebrities. Like, just people who have a lot of money that they can help, like, save these programs. Go and harass them. <laughs> we're only partially kidding. <laughs> The other thing, too, that I read that I think is really important to know is that they only have to raise at least half of the money by February. So they're expecting to have basically almost half a million in cash. Mm -hmm. And then the second half of the money just needs to be like a firm pledge. So they need people to come and say, you know, we're going to help. We're going to give you X amount of money. And they might have to sign something. I don't know exactly how that works. But they're only expecting them to have half of that money. So that 888000 that we said. They only need to actually have half of that money in cash by February. So that's a little bit more doable. I was going to say a little bit, but like still a lot. Another thing that's important is the money that they're being asked to raise within the next couple of months. That's only to cover the next two years of the program's existence. Right. So this is something that it isn't just a short term, like we need to raise this money and everything's going to be good. Like life's going to go back to normal and this is just going to go away. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's, still going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem that's going to resurface if things aren't looked into or, you know, as far as the university goes, reworking their budget, even specifically related to the gymnastics team. I feel like there's so many ways that they could save money just by changing the way that they spend. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I wanted to get into because I feel like by cutting the gymnastics programs, how much money are they actually saving? Like, gymnastics isn't that expensive to fund. You're talking maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, depending on the program, obviously some... You know, they, they travel more, or they get more apparel, yeah, and stuff like that. the bigger the team, the more funding they probably get. But I think it's safe to say that, for the most part, funding a college gymnastics team doesn't cost more than a couple hundred thousand dollars. A year. And yeah. these, yes, a year. And then these universities, they're looking to make up, like, a million, several million dollar deficit. They're looking to make up millions of dollars, and by cutting the gymnastics program, it's like, are you really actually saving that much money? Which, granted, some of these schools are cutting more than just the gymnastics program. Like, I think Iowa cut, I think it was the swimming team on men's and women's side, the men's Mm. gymnastics, and there was another sport. I forgot. Mm. They cut, like, four different programs. Right, and I know it's not, this isn't, like, an attack on gymnastics. Like, obviously, a lot of universities are hurting right now a lot of companies in general are hurting right now because of this pandemic so like I get it like I understand the struggle and needing to like cut to save money but my first bone that I have to pick is this was pointed out from the head coach of Alaska and she said is it really a fair amount to ask them to raise when they're not considering 
the different, the many different ways that they could cut costs within the program alone as it already exists. Mm-hmm. You know, they're being asked to raise this super high amount of money, but that's not factoring in all the things that they could be doing to save money. Right. It's like the gymnastics team doesn't need to spend as much money as it has been spending in the past. So they've allocated almost $900,000 for two years, or, you know, you break that down, that's roughly $450,000 a year for the gymnastics program, you know, they don't need to be spending that much money. They could be cutting down in a lot of different areas. Like, for example, you know, they don't need new Leos every season. And I'm not sure specifically with Alaska. This is more just a, a general thing. But a lot of teams get at least one new Leo a year. And if you're a big team, you get, like, three or four new ones a year. And, like, that doesn't need to happen. Also, apparel. These teams spend absurd amounts of money on apparel for their teams. Yeah. New shoes, new shirts, new sweatpants, new, like, tracksuits. And, of course, you know, the bigger teams, they get way more. It's, like, Christmas morning, waking up, opening a bunch of presents. But still, they these teams spend a lot of money. I think I read... It might have been John Rosselsberger, something that he wrote for Inside Gymnastics about them cutting the program at University of Minnesota, because he was a gymnast there. And he said at one point, back when he was a gymnast, they had like $15,000 budget just for like Nike apparel. That is insane. Yes. And that's like, it's not necessary. Like you don't need to spend that. You could all get, like, one new shirt. You could all wear the same leotard for every week. Wear the same socks for a month. No, I'm kidding. No, and it's like, I know that's, like, not fun and that's not, like, desired. Like, no one wants that. But, but like, you cut it if down. it comes down to saving the program, like, you're going to have to do what you're going to have to do, you know? Like, to make it work. Well, like, okay. And this isn't, like, specific because obviously it depends on the program. But, like, limit it to, like, three new shirts. Two new pairs of leggings. Like, you don't need... Two leotards. You don't need, like... Well, or I guess not even any leotards. Mm-hmm. You, you need to go and get any new leotards for the season. Like, you can just wear ones from the past. Or... Right. You don't need ten new shirts, three new sweatshirts, like, five million pairs of leggings. Like, you don't need that. Like, yes, it's nice, and, like, if you can afford that, that's great. But right now, because of the situation and what's going on in the world, if you're looking to keep your program but save money, there's things you can do. Another thing is, you know, the travel budget. Looking at traveling shorter distances. Now, I understand Alaska has it a little bit hard because they're in Alaska. And unless they're taking a bus through Canada, which I highly, highly doubt, they basically have to fly everywhere they go, which is expensive. But maybe not flying to, you know, places all the way across the country. Maybe right, keep not that... like going to Florida where it would be like a really far flight. Right, and not that they do that, but I'm just saying I'm not like super up on what their schedule has been in years past or what it even was last year. I'm trying year, to but... keep it more centrally located to where they're at. Yep, even looking at like where they're staying, like in hotels and stuff. Like that's what I'm saying. There's so many places where they could minimize the amount of money that they're spending and it's little things here and there but that will add up i also wonder if they could cut back on the number of meets that they even travel to like possibly do they have to go you know some teams they'll go like every other weekend or every two weeks they're traveling somewhere new like can they just do like a couple away meets and have majority home meets that's a good question you know we should look into that because i'm not exactly sure if there's a rule with how many meets you have to go to, or you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if there's rules regarding that. I know for like NQS, there's, like, a certain amount that you have to have mm. away and a certain amount at home, but 
We'll have to look into that. Or if anyone's listening and you know the answer, feel free to let us I know. I just feel like that is one place where you could possibly cut down is maybe traveling less if mm-hmm. possible. Another thing, too, is, you know, reevaluating the paid positions within the coaching staff. So you could just go with a head coach and one assistant coach. And, of course, you can still have, like, your volunteer coaches like, you know, every college team has – but do you really need two paid volunteer coaches? Think about how much money you could save. Well, the, the volunteer coaches aren't paid, though. Sorry, did I say it? That's yeah. not what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm like, honey, they're volunteer. That means they're not no, paid. No, my, my brain is, you know, thinking one thing and my mouth is you're saying another. like another. You're saying the paid assistant there's coaches, two paid, not the volunteer. Yes, there's two paid assistant coaches and then a head coach. I'm saying that you could get by just fine, even just for, you know, up, up time being until things get better. I think everything will be fine with just a head coach, an assistant coach, paid, and then, you know, your volunteer coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I read, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about this, but possibly cutting back on scholarships. So offering less scholarships, that's a way for the university to save more money because they obviously forked out a lot of money to have girls on scholarships. Yeah. So you'd have more walk-ons on the team, which, you know, maybe, or maybe ma- they might can, make it less appealing. They could maybe also do, like, partial scholarships. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, how that works, but... My point here being is that there's, there's just so many things that they could do to save money just within the gymnastics program. If they had to, if it came down to it. And, like I said in the beginning, if you take all those things into consideration, is it really fair to tell, you know, Alaska that they need to raise almost $900,000 when, you know, they can prove that they don't need to be spending that much money in two years? Right. It's an interesting question. Another thing that I thought of is, you know, in regards to the university as a whole, when you look at the other programs like football, for example, the big money maker. I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was really interesting. So Iowa's football coach has a 10-year deal with the university and he makes $42 million. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, they're cutting the men's gymnastics program at Iowa, which only costs them under $200,000 a year. So you have one person... Making $42 million. Yep. You could cut the head coach's salary by, you know, not, I almost said a million, but, like, not even a million. Like, cut it down by a couple hundred thousand dollars and, like, boom. There you go. There's your year's funding for the gymnastics team. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I know it's it, there's a lot more that goes into it. Like, it sounds all nice and easy when you can just sit here and lay it all out. And, yeah, why aren't they doing this? But I understand that there's a lot that goes into making those decisions. But I'm just trying to say I feel like there's something that can be done. On the universities and without mm-hmm. the team having to, like, raise money or people even having to donate money. Which I'm sure, like, donations would help and that's great. But, like, there's something that can be done internally for sure. Universities make stupid choices. Like, no I mean, doubt. Duh. Are like, we surprised by this? No. <laughs> well, even just when it comes, you know, within the athletic programs, like, you know, how much money they put into the football facilities or building brand new student athlete centers and, you know, renovating the arenas and stuff. And those things are all nice. Like, I'm not saying that those things shouldn't happen, but that's always the university's priority, it seems like. And especially when it comes to football. It's like they, they invest so much money in little unnecessary things, like things you don't need right now. Right. They throw all their money into those things, and then there's no money left over for the other teams, and they just think, well, no one's going to care. No one cares about gymnastics. Well, it's funny, too, because I'm thinking of EMU, 
their gymnastics team, like, they don't even charge people to come into the meets. The team gets, like, one new leotard a season, right? Yeah. And the years passed. That's they were, they, like, throughout the season, Eastern's team will rewear a leotard, like, three or four times, I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, and this past season, I guess they didn't finish up the season, but. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is for a lot of the programs that aren't, like, super popular or don't have, like, a bunch of money coming in. But then you look at EMU's football stadium, and it's, like, this nice, like, state-of-the-art, like, facility, mm-hmm. and then the inside of the arena where the gymnastics team competes. Yeah. They have, like, this nice, like, trophy room and, like, all this, like, cool... Brittany got the the inside look because I've mentioned this before on the show, but I did an internship with the athletic department at EMU with the gymnastics team last season, and so... I took Brittany in there one day, and it's immaculate, This the inside of this building. So there's the arena, like, portion of it where the gymnastics team competes, and then also, obviously, like, basketball and stuff like that. But then there's the offices where, like, the athletic director works, and basically offices of, like, everybody in the athletic department, including some of the coaches. They have suites for basketball, like a whole basketball suite. And they have, like, these beautiful, like, graphics on the wall of all, like, these different athletes and just so many things. It's, like, state-of-the-art. That yeah. You can literally tell that they put so much money into Millions. it. And it's nice. Yeah. But... And granted, <laughs> the gymnastics program's not in trouble at EMU, at least that I know of right now. But they, a year or so ago, cut other sports teams. And it's, like... You're cutting, like, wrestling, and I forget what other sports it was, but they, they cut several sports teams, but then they're throwing millions and millions and millions into the football team and offices <laughs> and, like, little things that they don't have to be doing. So it's just frustrating. And this is this really has nothing to do with gymnastics. Yeah, it's but just... then you also look at EMU's gym. Sorry, now we're going off on, like, an EMU tangent. <laughs> but, like, their gym is, like, super outdated. Mm-hmm. Their gym has never been updated. Yep, though they're still training in the same exact facility that they were training in whenever the gymnastics team started so I know it was at least in the 80s um I don't think it was around the 70s it might have been I was looking at the university archives one day for like an assignment for one of my classes I'm not that nerdy and I just don't go and look at archives for fun but I of course when I was in there I was pulling up like all the yearbooks and stuff and I was looking at pictures of the gymnastics team and yep they still train and they actually used to compete in that gym but they still train in the same exact facility that they did way back when and you can tell it's like that facility needs a renovation in my opinion but again you know kind of proving the point here state-of-the-art offices state-of-the-art football stadium gymnastics team is at the bottom of the barrel yeah and i think that's the problem we're seeing with a lot of universities it's like that's how gymnastics is viewed they just don't view it as important as football and basketball yep it's it's a shame last priority and it sucks for us being such passionate gymnastics fans because of course we love gymnastics and we are passionate about it we don't want to see it go away and we want other people to acknowledge how great of a sport it is right like It doesn't have to be football or basketball for people to care. And I wish universities would see that. (laughs) But I guess this whole tangent aside, you guys should definitely go reach out to the Board of Regents at the University of Minnesota. Tell them how you feel. 
tell them why gymnastics is important, why they should keep that program at that university. Again, in the show notes, we will have a link that takes you right to the contact form for them. So it'll take you right there and you can just type out your message and hit send. Nice and easy. And also if there's anything that we find, you know, within the next week or two that can be done to help any of these programs, like Alaska, I'm not sure if they're going to end up having to go fund me or anything like mm-hmm. that, but if we find out any links we can share with you guys, we'll definitely add it to the show notes. So if you're listening to this after the week that it's posted, you know, you can still have access to that. And also, of course, we'll share on our social media as well. So make sure you're following us on there. We're at All Things Gym Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, yeah, we will share updates there as they become available. So moving on to other, I guess, more frustrating news, unfortunately. Ellie Downey's complaint of being weight shamed has not been upheld. So Ellie made a complaint back, you know, in the summer, early in the summer, about how she was constantly told that she needed to lose weight. She was having to track her food in, like, a food diary for a nutritionist to, like, see what she was eating every day. And she also was sending daily pictures of herself in her underwear to a nutritionist to make sure that she wasn't lying. Which, she was underage at the time this was happening, so that's already a massive red flag. But the English Institute of Sport said in a statement to ITV News that all relevant individuals were interviewed by a senior ESI member of staff and the report was submitted for a full review to an external independent investigator. The conclusion from this process is that the complaint was not upheld. My problem with this is that how is having a minor sending photos of herself in her underwear to an adult not enough proof? to them that like something is massively wrong right isn't that proof enough and also like what did that person do with those photos like are they like in a file somewhere are they on a device to be honest they probably didn't actually save them anywhere that was probably just like a send it and a text message just confirmation type thing like who knows that's just me speculating but it wasn't necessarily filed away anywhere it could have just been like i don't believe you send me proof type thing Either way, it's... To you me, should still be able to track that. Yeah. I just... You know, first, Amy Tinkler's complaint was sort of brushed off, and then now this, and it's just frustrating that the British Federation is clearly not taking any of these complaints seriously, and I think this is, once again, proving why athletes don't come forward. Mm-hmm. Because something will happen, someone's uncomfortable by something, something is, you know, wrong... And when the athletes speak up, you know, they do these investigations and they conclude that there isn't enough proof, you know, to do anything about it. Right, and, like, what did the investigation entail? Talking to the person that was receiving these photos and she just denied it and that was the end of it? Like, we, yeah, I mean, we don't really know. It's, you know, now if you say gymnastics, it's like, I'm sure other federations are doing some sneaky business, just like you would say gymnastics was, and we're kind of just, you know, realizing that. It's a shame. I don't understand how, when you have proof, like photo proof, like this had to have been documented in text messages. I mean, or emails or something. Like how was she sending these photos? Where are they now? And why is that not enough to, you know, warrant her, to warrant some kind of punishment? Or, you know, why, why are they invalidating what she said just because of what somebody else is saying happened? Like, that's kind of what it sounds like. They did this investigation that probably involved talking to different people. They probably all denied it. And then here we are. It's like, once again, an athlete is being, like, shut down for, you know, coming forward with their experience. It's frustrating. Yeah, 
I agree. So following that announcement, Ellie said on social media, she said, I haven't done this to satisfy myself. This is to stop it from happening to all these young gymnasts out there. Yes, sometimes you may need nutritional help to improve your performance, but that's not what this was and it can't continue. But honestly, this is why we haven't spoken before. That's so sad. It's sad when they finally have like the courage to come forward and to say what's happening and then they're just not being believed still. Especially after everything the sport of gymnastics has been through in the last couple of years. Yeah. To have an athlete still being, you know, turned down and... Not believed. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, if something were to happen again in the future, like, how is this going to be handled, you know, in regards to, like, the British Gymnastics Federation or even, you know, with Ellie Downey. I know. It's like, how can you feel comfortable representing a federation that doesn't believe you and doesn't yeah. support you they're and doesn't look out for you? They're basically calling her a liar. Yeah. And it's like, next time something happens, why would she bother saying anything about it when they're just going to do an investigation, just like USA Gymnastics did an investigation internally on Larry Nasser? It's like, and they, do you they really find They find, you know, nothing of it. Granted, this was apparently allegedly an external investigation but still i don't understand how there could be like actual like photo proof somewhere like if they actually did their due diligence they could track those down and like that's proof right there that like she is being shamed for her weight if she's having to send like daily photos of herself in her underwear as an underage girl yes like that's like that they're, they're almost two separate issues mm-hmm. like one is essentially child pornography and also possibly proof of, you know, her claims that she's been, you know, body shamed and mm-hmm. her diet's been restricted. Yeah, and- it's, it's more than just, like, my word against yours. Like, there actually is some proof here. So for them to do an investigation and come up with nothing and just dismiss it, I hate it. Something else that happened this week is the announcement, I guess, that the Olympics are going to go ahead with or without COVID. So, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, should we be excited about that? Or I, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Like, part of me is like, yay, and then part of me is like, what? I'm like, yay, right now, but then we're going to regret this later. So the IOC vice president, John Coaches, I think is how you say his last name, said that the game's are going to be known as the games that conquered COVID. And that was in an article with the AFP. So he very much intends for the Olympics to go on. Um, You know, the Olympics have never been canceled before outside of the world wars. So three times in history has the Olympics been canceled. And the vice president of the IOC is adamant that the games are going to go on. They are scheduled for July 23rd of next year. And postponing it, again, is not an option. Um, That's mainly because of how expensive it is with, you know, the contracts with hotels, sponsorships needing to be extended for another year, broadcast rights. There's a lot that goes into it when they have to postpone, like they've already done. And so just doing it again is just not something that the Japanese Federation is interested in doing or anyone is interested in doing. So they're not even considering canceling it. It's it's straight no, up. No, they're making it sound like it's going to happen like rain or shine, like COVID or no COVID, <laughs> this bitch is happening. So <laughs> This is about to be real interesting. I mean, I'm sure that they'll take some kind of safety precautions like they 
the athletes will have to quarantine and all that good stuff. But yeah, I mean, are there going to be viewers? Have we heard anything about that yet? So we haven't, at least not to my knowledge. I know that Japan's borders are still closed at the moment to foreign visitors, which obviously a lot can happen between now and July of next year. At least we hope that, you know, maybe there'll be a vaccine, but that could still be months away. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying it could be years away by the time we get a vaccine. So yeah, like, just so many unknowns. So, so for him to be making that he's statement. He's so confident that it's going to happen. And I want it to happen too. Like, don't get me wrong. I just want it to be able to happen safely. Mm-hmm. And traveling is questionable at this point in time, especially when you have an international event because you have people coming from countries that for the most part have the virus under control like New Zealand. So those people like probably fine, right? Because mm-hmm. they live in this island and on this island, not in the island. <laughs> they, they, bury, they buried themselves into the dirt of this island and so they're safe. <laughs> no. They and they live- don't have a crazy president that downplayed the virus. Right. And- <laughs> so then you have the athletes coming from the United States where, you know... This orange buffoon is running the country. <laughs> the orange Cheeto, yeah. <laughs> things are just very different depending on where you go in the world and how things have been handled. So I think when you're bringing all these people together in one place, you have people who have been possibly at a higher risk combined with people who may not have had any risk at all or very low risk. And I feel like it's kind of just a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. I do think you can make the athletes quarantine beforehand. So maybe everyone gets there earlier, way earlier than they would normally be getting. Yeah. And everyone's forced to quarantine. They stay in the village and they don't leave the village. Which is, like, not fun. Like, who wants to go to the Olympics and work hard for your whole life to get to this point just to have to, like, stay in a room and not, like, well, go anywhere? here's the thing. I mean, if they they actually made things a little bit tighter, like, even within the Olympic village. Wow. Olympic village? <laughs> Can't talk. Um, and then, from my understanding, it's been pretty, like, strict in there anyways. Like, they don't just let anyone stroll in there. But... I mean, you but have, the athletes mingle with each other. You though. have everything you need in the Olympic Village. At least I think you do. I mean, I don't know. I've never been there, but my point is, is that I think it would be fine if they just stayed in the Olympic Village. People aren't coming in. It's just the athletes, and if they've quarantined, they should all be safe. You know, they should not have the virus, and they would be safe to mingle with each other. They'd be safe to roam around there, and like you wouldn't have that worry. Right. I mean, I know that. Like, sounds nice. I don't know how realistic that is to get everybody to quarantine and make sure that they're not having, like, secret contact with people. And I think absolutely there's no way in hell there's ever going to be spectators at that Olympics. It's not going to happen. But also, doesn't that kind of, like... Doesn't that kind of, like, ruin it? Because I feel like for me it would. I mean, I would take... The Olympics with no spectators over no Olympics at all. And I think most athletes would agree with that still. Mm -hmm. But that's what makes the Olympics special is all of these athletes and fans from around the world coming together for this one event. And the families of the athletes, like being in the audience and watching your, your daughter, your husband, you know, whoever, watching your loved one, you know, achieve their biggest dreams and compete in the biggest, you know, competition or whatever, you know, the biggest meet of their life. Um, that's such a big part of it. So to not have that, I feel like it would suck, but I also feel like it's just not realistic at this point. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. I I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Like I said in the beginning, there's a part of me that's like, that wants it to happen. Yeah, of course we want the Olympics to happen, but there's another part of me that's just like, if it's not safe for us to travel right now, then... Or to really be in, like... Like, if I can't go into Walmart without 
wearing a mask, then, like, how are we going to have a, a massive event, international event, as big as the Olympics, and have it be safe when people can't even go to grocery stores without mm-hmm. being safe? You know what I mean? Right. No, I agree. I think that, like you said, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, of course, I'd love for there to be an Olympics, and I'm not rooting for there not to be an Olympics. Don't get me wrong, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I also feel like there's a part of me that wants something to happen that's just not realistic. Like, I just want things to be normal, and it's just not normal right now. That's just that's just how it is, and I don't think that, you know, unless you're, like, you have, like, some magical powers and you can, like, snap your fingers and make things happen, like, this problem isn't just going to go away anytime soon. Man, this virus is really, like, rocking the whole world. Mm-hmm. I think when this all started, I was thinking, like, I remember, because I was in one of my college classes, this is right before I graduated, and I remember hearing that, you know, some colleges were shutting down, and, like, the virus was getting worse, and I was like, oh, we're going to be out for a couple weeks, and then we'll be back. Like, I literally thought that I was going to be back on campus next year, mm-hmm. and, you know, now here we are, however many months later, and... We're questioning if the Olympics are going to happen, you know, if things are going to be better by the summer of next year. Like, are we going to have a vaccine? Like, there's just so much that's unknown about this that, yeah, a lot of us just didn't think this was ever going to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And now we don't know where it's going to go. So we're just kind of like trying to ride out the wave and And hoping it works out for everybody. Like, we hope that everyone Mm -hmm. can have like their dreams come true and continue with life as normal as we can but yeah if I had to say you know what I think should happen if possible I'd like to see the Olympics happen but no spectators I think that these athletes not just gymnastics I'm talking like literally every athlete they, they work way too hard to have this taken away like some some people like this is their lifelong dream and they spend years working for this and to have it taken away or you know to make them have you know to wait like however many more years it's just uh I I hate the thought of it so I I do want there to be an Olympics but I also want it to be as safe as possible so as time goes on I think we'll have a clearer idea of how things could possibly work right now it still feels too early to make predictions or to even talk about it because shit could hit the fan in a couple months and we could be in a whole new situation that no one predicted. Yeah, I've heard that this winter could possibly get worse, so... Mm-hmm. And how is coronavirus going to mix with the flu? Like, flu season's going to hit us and I feel like that's going to be a disaster. People battling, like, the flu and coronavirus and... <laughs> Simultaneously. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's definitely a lot of things that I think need to be considered... And I'm sure that the IOC is weighing all of the options, but I hope that if they, you know, as confident as they are that the Olympics are going to go forward, that they're also considering, like, how it's going to be safe and what protocols are going to be in place. And hopefully we can get those answers soon, sooner rather than later, so people kind of start to have an idea of, like, what this is actually going to look like. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Normally, at this point in the podcast, we share what we're going to be doing next week, but right now, we don't really know. We have a couple plans in the works, but nothing is 100% for sure yet, so this would actually be a good time if you're one of our gold Patreon supporters to commission a topic for us to talk about. You guys can do that every month, and we haven't had anyone commission a topic yet this month for September, so... 
this would be a great time if you have some ideas let us know what you want us to talk about you can reach us either through a message on the patreon app or you can send us a message through email we're at allthingsgympod at gmail.com or you can find us on social media at allthingsgympod on twitter and instagram we hope you guys have a great week and we will talk to you next monday bye bye Thank you.